welcome to the last week of May. This is the week 15 patch. I'm your host, Spencer. Today I'm joined by Queen of the Wasteland, Kaylee. That's me. My fellow home improvement show enthusiast, Jordan. The mark of my dignity shall scar thy DNA. Is that the opening theme to Property Brothers? Wouldn't it be cool if it was? <laughs> <laughs> and savior of the podcast upload last week, Zyger. Hi, everyone. I'm back. News is starting to happen as we get caught in E3's gravitational orbit. So let's get into the scrum. Private scrum. We're telling you. The scrum. Souls like fans got a bit of good news this week when Lies of P was announced by Round 8 Studios. The game somehow makes the already creepy story of Pinocchio even creepier. I hope that this game takes off so that I can become a drag queen with the name Liza P. Liza P is such a bad name for a <laughs> I can't. I laugh every time I hear Liza P. Liza I keep P. thinking Life of Pi, that movie. That's really, yeah, that's. I'm going to really add, close. I'm going to graffiti all of their posters so that with the word enus. <laughs> I'm gonna write Ener after all of their titles. You can do that in Photoshop. I'm still gonna Photoshop now. I'm gonna turn it into Liza Peener. In other news, Tencent is back at their plan of owning just a little bit of everything. The Chinese giant bought 3.8% of control developer Remedy Games. Uh, I don't like this. I like Ten- Remedy. Tencent can have little of all gaming studios as a treat. EA is heading to the Pacific Northwest with the creation of a new Seattle-based studio that will be focused on open-world action-adventure games. The new studio will be headed by Kevin Stevens, who headed up both Shadow of Mordor and Middle-Earth and Shadow of War when he was at Monolith Productions. I'm always baffled that EA continues to have desires to make open-world action RPGs, considering how they've treated every previous attempt. They just love making my favorite type of game, making a couple good ones, and then being like, what if we murder it? Isn't that what they bought, brought Jade Raymond on and created Moded Studios for? And then we're just like, nah, we're out of here. Bye. <laughs> Close the whole studio. I'm so tired of open world games, y'all. I hate them so much. They're so boring to me now. We need to stop making studios just for these genres. Hey, okay, I've had to sit through the 12 decades of first-person shooters that has been my gaming experience. So I do not feel bad about this. I do not like playing most gaming styles. I don't like playing third- or first-person shooters. Open world games are some of the only games I can play. So honestly, I like the they get so ubiquitous to the point of being like, there's too many. Good. Good. You know how many Call of Duties I've had to sit through? You know how many Call of Duty clones I've had to sit through? I'm tired of it. Now, I'm thinking, like, you can have the same gameplay. Just don't make a thing open world. Just, like, make make it make it smaller. Make it a little precise. Make it dense. I don't know why small. you can't have a small open world. I think that's the thing. You, like, you go open and you keep making, like, big hands. And then you're like, make it small. And it's like, that's open world doesn't mean big. It can, and it usually does. But you can be like, I hope it's a small open world game. I like small open world games. world games I'm so tired of. Yes. I'm, I'm tired of games that are too big. Yeah, we I'm, don't need right. another Assassin's Creed title. Yeah, I was going to say, there. make me games like uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's what I want. 
Make me games that, that aren't empty. Scope. Yeah. Of like how I big feel the world like. Is. I feel like we're getting to a pot where we are getting a little bit past making big games that are big and empty because it used to be the, like the numbers factor. I remember when like, oh, this you know, Rockstar's map is bigger than the last Elder Scrolls and this map is going to be bigger than Rockstar. And everyone had to compare to the last biggest open world map ever and it was all about size with no regard to substance. So you had a lot of really, really, really huge take forever to traverse open world games with absolutely nothing to do in them and i think that now when people think of open world AAA games that's the experience they think of and i'm hoping that that very clear we don't like when it's big for the sake of big i hope that that's breaking through some because we have been seeing more small games i feel like the the i don't know, like the just cause three witcher 3 like that era that year specifically like that, that those windows which one was at its worst and i think it's been slowly moving in the other direction i think that assassin's creed getting blowback with odyssey for being too big was to me the like the the point where it reached critical mass and everyone was like no it's too big you stop it and then they made the viking one and it was a lot smaller and i was like okay okay now make it small and good this time and we're like, I'm hoping that these open world games are with the knowledge that people are sick of games that are too big. I think we're starting to see less open world games from Japanese studios get real big success, which I like because like Final Fantasy San Diego was mentioned, that's like very much, it's a big world, but it's not open at all. Like it's clo- very closed off, but it's very linear. It did well. All the Resident Evil games that have been coming out have been doing well. Uh, Nier did well. So it's Grand <laughs> and Capcom in general. Uh, that's what I want to see. Just fun contained experiences. I mean, even idea. Dragon Age is not an open world game. Like there are other games that have exploration and large scale without you having actually like some games you just don't need to have an open world. I think yeah. that Tales of Versaria being a Tales game that didn't have open world traversal was like we can have a big game that spans the whole continent, multiple continents even, and you don't have to crawl through every inch of it for it to feel large we can make it feel large in other ways so i really do think that the industry is slowly like i do think they're getting that message i think that we reached a point where we were like stop it already because it was getting ridiculous but at this point i'm more optimistic for new games saying they're open world because i feel like the implication that it's it's open world it's gonna be so fucking huge has kind of like dissipated from developers' mindsets after a lot of blowback. And I think that that peaked with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I also don't think Shadow of Mordor, was that one where it was like a huge world? I do know that that map's very big. My uncle's obsessed with those Mordor games, and he'll show me the maps a lot. And I wouldn't say that they are not intimidating. They remind me almost more of like... They're definitely smaller than Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They're like Assassin's Creed Odyssey... Except for, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you can magnify out, like, one too many times. <laughs> like, you think you've gotten to the full map, and then you can actually go out and it gets small. You know, like, you were actually only in one part of the map. And then you can actually go out again, and it turns out you're only in, like, one quadrant of one part of the map. And I feel like Shadow of Mordor is, like, one less than that. It's not quite as big. It reminds me more of uh, Witcher 3. But Witcher has Witcher 3 had that weird thing where it was, like, five maps that were, like, separate that you couldn't, you couldn't just see one giant map of the whole fucking world with Witcher. Which are, like, if you were on the Skellige Islands, you couldn't get in-depth map information about like any of the actual uh, cities and shit. There were like four yeah, separate like, maps, right? Yeah. 
Shadow of Mordor, it's all one map. Like, you can always see the whole fucking map when you pull up the map. It's a big map, but you can always see the map. I don't know, like, that Assassin's Creed and Witcher and all of the games that were famous for being way too big, they always had maps where you could never see the whole thing. It was so fucking large that you couldn't actually see the whole map in a functioning way. You could only zoom in and out and have different levels of functionality, depending. And with Shadow of Mordor, from what I've seen, is it's very large, but the map is just one big map it's very dense speaking of dense it doesn't matter that they've been crushing the steam charts on pc release this week the dudes who made and starred in days gone cannot take a win lead actor sam whittier in a reddit ama this week complained about the critical response to the game well guys like our art is so good you just don't get it our art's just like the problem is actually systemic because our game was meant to be a slow burn that you really had to play for a, a super long time before it started to get interesting. It was designed to not be something that reviews well for a super long time, but reviewers have really tight deadlines, so they just have to rush through. They didn't have time to get to the fun part of our game because they could only spend so many hours playing it before the review. So if they could take the time and if reviews to come out like a month after the game launched, people would have been raving about how good our game was. It's just, we're you like, know, we're like crunch culture destroyed like our review scores. It's really sad. The delusion, far too much. <laughs> that, that was really it's close to uh, my Vegeta impression, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot about Dragon Ball, but I know to say thank you after that. I just imagine the voice actor for the Days Gone guy also wears, like, a motorcycle guy bandana. <laughs> like, all the time. So I just imagine a guy that looks like um, Keith from Yu-Gi-Oh! American Keith. Uh, Baby Keith. Keith. I just imagine that the voice actor for <laughs> the guy from Days Gone is just Bandit Keith behind a keyboard being like... <laughs> But if they had played it longer, movie. they would have understood how great this game is. It's so deep and complex with the American spirit and journey. In America. <laughs> they were number one on Steam, which is my problem last week. You, your audience like you. I think you should just like... I'm surprised by that. Who is buying baseball on PC? It had to have been on sale last week. I'm sobbing for my own joke. Still, if you're curious. <laughs> <laughs> In Hollywood news that is leaking over into video games, WB Games will be getting divided up in the AT&T Discovery merger. Uh, We don't know a lot about it. Uh, All we have to go on is a tweet from the man who should not be an editor-in-chief, Stephen Totillo. WB is getting broken up due to AT&T Time Warner... Media discovery sale slash merger. Some of the gaming arm will stay with AT and T, and some will go with the company. Reps tell Axios's Sarah Fisher. No further info. WB is listing eleven studios on that list of what's going to get split up. Now, when Disney bought Fox, I thought, "Am I going to get Bart Simpson in Kingdom Hearts?" <laughs> And when this happened, I thought, are the Justice League going to meet the Property Brothers? What? Oh, my God. 
Is that a reality? <laughs> not to focus brothers in four three. Not to focus on the wrong thing, but <laughs> were you throwing shade at Steven Tertillo? Tertillo. Tertillo. I was. What's the story there? He was the editor in chief of Kotaku when all of oh, the wow. stuff with Cecily went down. He oh, was the so. yeah. He was the he kind was of the coward that refused to just remove an article that was provably damaging mm-hmm. to a lot of its sources' lives and is journalistically malpractice at best. Yeah, he's he's an editor in chief. He's got to make hard decisions, and when it came time to make a hard decision, he did not. So he's a coward. Okay, cool, cool, cool. At best, a journalism. Yeah. Just making sure I, I got the full deal on that. That is the full deal. Twitch had kind of a big week of stepping in it. First off, Sinatra, after being suspended from playing Valorant for six months for being a rapist and having that complaint escalated to the authorities still can be caught live on Twitch. I own family. Yeah. Advertiser friendly Sinatra, the rapist. Advertiser unfriendly and number one hot tub streamer Amaranth uh, was informed this week that all wasn't informed, just had all of her advertising suspended indefinitely for not being advertiser friendly. She uh, woke up one day and looked at her content uh, her creator dashboard. dashboard, that's what it's called, looked at her creator dashboard and all of the estimates for what she would get from ad revenue just disappeared, was gone. No email, no nothing, just gone. Uh, we come to find out that that sets off a chain of events where Twitch had to hurriedly not hurriedly maybe planned launch a hot tub tag and in doing so basically admitted that tags are there for the advertisers benefit uh everybody rightfully got really mad that they just made a tag out of nowhere when everybody has been asking for a trans tag for over a year now definitely at least over a year And so Twitch then decided, okay, yeah, we have 350 identity-based tags, and we were going to tell you guys next week, but we're launching it a week early because you guys made us think about it. And so that's going to mess up that all of those trans tags and, like, other Identity tags. Identity tags. It's literally, like, I don't know, like, it feels like love-bombing stage of this abusive relationship with twitch where they're like oh you've been wanting a trans tag for years oh kaylee you signed the trans tag uh please add one on twitch's specific support page over a year ago and have received over a thousand emails because you decided to be smart to check the box to get notified every time someone else signed the pledge that fucking pledge oh We've had the ability to make a tag. We can make a hot tub tag on a fucking whim if it means we're going to be losing out on Trojan ad money, which, by the way, we've accepted forever. But uh, being in a kiddie pool hot tub stream, she's in a fucking kiddie pool. Like, these are girls that are not even in hot tubs half the time. It's just the act of being hot in a kiddie pool is not advertiser friendly. It's ridiculous. But being hot is not advertiser friendly on Twitch if you're femme presenting. 
but it's not even that they're adding trans and also non-binary and two spirit and other tags like that, which would be cool. And it's not even that adding the tags itself is a problem because the other tags they're adding are identifiers. Apparently there's going to be a black tag. There's going to be um, different types of neurodivergent tags. So I, there might be like an autism tag. I'm not 100%. There's over 350, but the, they're doing every single type of identity, whether it's, you know, n- different types of neurodivergence, different types of uh, ethnicity, uh, nationality, background, sexual identity, gender identity, every single thing you can think of. They're throwing all of them in at once. They're also giving you an allies tag so you can stop using the LGBTQIA tag for that. Like- the allies tag is the only tag that bullying should be allowed in. You can only track troll people who are streaming under allies the thing that the thing that annoyed me about how this was dropped is that like twitch twitch's twitter account specifically really thought of this as a mic drop and like yeah and like i want to read i want to read the first sentence of the tweet and add one word to it and because this is exactly how it was meant to be said. I want to see we if I can plan- figure out which word it is you're adding. Because I don't have it in front of me right now. So I'm curious. Well, you, you'll know immediately. Right? I don't so. know. I don't, like, before you say it. We had planned to share this next week. But we heard a lot of you talking shit and want to make sure the record's clear. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's, a, there's a version of this tweet where someone wrote it out and wrote the word shit. And then took a picture and then cut it out. Because that's exactly what they were doing. There was like... You done now? You done? That's yeah, that's they the really energy thought they did something. Week. You've been asking for a trans tag for years, and we've actually had one at the ready, but we weren't going to deploy it until we could benefit off of it being like a pride movement thing. When that's not, if you cared about LGBT people, like you literally are saying that you only want to do stuff that benefits the LGBT community during June. No other months will you pretend to care about gay people. Black people don't ask us about shit if it's not February 1st through the 29th. Women, you stay in the kitchen until March 1st, and then you go back in there March 31st. And gay people exist in June. That is, Twitch could not make it any clearer. You only matter as far as your advertising dollars matter. So, you know, these tags are for advertisers. We're going to see how much money we can make off gay being a tag. And that's that. That's honestly how it feels. Hey, we're adding a hot tub tag because we want to make sure that we can get advertising dollars correctly. Oh, by the way, here's those tags you've been asking for forever. We're going to announce them right after because for some reason y'all are mad. I also think it's just ridiculous that the reason we've been told for over a year is that we can't have a trans tag and we can't have these, we can't have tags like tags like black because that is going to like focus the user base of your platform to harass people who use those tags. Right. Like that's been the whole line for Twitch, but all of a sudden it's like, Oh, but like the hot tub tag, who cares if we think our user base is going to use it in an abusive way? Like, misogynists have already chased the most famous and profitable, let's be real, profitable, if that's what you fucking care about, hot tub streamer off of Twitch. I don't think, you know, she's not off of Twitch, but like, why would she stay? Because, you know, don't let them win. But that's not fair. You know what I mean? Like, if, if the community, the, 
toxic misogyny of your community is already so well documented that you are banning hot tub streamers because so many people have a problem with their very existence and you didn't think creating a hot tub tag would make it easier for people to harass them but having a trans tag will make it easier to harass them because to be totally honest technically they're not wrong and to be totally totally honest after working in games admin this is how shit works is Admin has a, a Slack, a Discord, has a fucking group team chat, and somebody's like, hey, people are really wanting a trans tag. And what that says to the admin group is, hey, people really want you to do a thing. Well, doing a thing might cause consequence. One, requires us to do a thing. Two, doing a thing for any group of people will always anger another group of people. That means there'll be angry people. We don't want to deal with angry people. Not rocking the boat and causing angry people is our main priority. So what can we do to do nothing? And in this case, you input into the what can we do to do nothing machine, create a trans tag. And so the machine grinded it up as best it could and spit out, uh, we have to do nothing because, and the because just happens to be, it will cause harassment or it'll be easier for people to harass things. And this is how that works. Everybody who doesn't want to do it is pit against everyone who does want to take action. And those good cops that are going to change the system from the inside. And so those good cops are like, hey, people really want to trans tag because it's hard for trans people to find each other and to uh, foster community. And, you know, they already have a lot of disadvantages. So it would really help them and it would be easier for us to highlight them because we could just highlight people on the trans tag a lot. You know, it'd be, it'd be a win-win and we already have a system for it and it wouldn't take much effort to code a fucking trans tag. And the people who don't want to do anything mixed together with the people who actively are transphobic mixed together with the people who actively are misogynistic uh, and all are like, okay, here are all of the reasons why we don't want to do it. And 99% of them are things we can't say out loud. Like, we don't want to because we don't want to do shit. We don't want to deal with any backlash because backlash is annoying and hard. And we really want to make algorithms be able to take care of it. But we just can't make algorithms perfectly situated for dealing with trolls and you know, so like most of them are just we're lazy and bullshit or just shitty people and don't care about whatever the issue is and one final bullet point in the 900 reasons why you can't do it is kind of technically true in this case it's oh because it'll lead to harassment and so they cling to that because it's a shield it doesn't mean anything to them. It's just words. The words are the magic spell that will ward off any attempts to change the status quo. Because changing the status quo is new and scary and will involve people sending mean emails. So they just constantly say that over and over. Now at the end of the day, they're right. If anybody wants to troll hot women on Twitch, they can just click hot tubs. And it's just going to be women that they control. The response to that is, wow, you should probably have a bunch of moderators and then divvy out what monitors, what moderators monitor which tags based proportional to the amount of harassment that tag might receive. Black, trans, LGBT, a hot tub. Um, you could have maybe like femme, female presenting, things like that, tags. But you would have to moderate them more than you moderate, like, first playthrough tags. 
you know? They can't even moderate the main Twitch channel. They don't moderate shit. Right? Like they, they don't moderate anything is the, is the answer. It's like we don't, the problem is it would require – because that's the problem is they think, oh, if we throw out this excuse, well, that there it goes. And the correct response to that excuse is, yes, it can create – It'll be easier to paint more specific targets for trolls, which is why it's up to you to protect the people that are using your platform. And if you know that it's going to cause that certain tags are targeted more than others, you need to direct more resources to protect those people. That's just common fucking sense based on your own arguments. So it really like frustrates me when we get stuck on like, of course, it's a bullshit argument. Like sometimes we'll get stuck on, you know, the fact that it's bullshit. We'll be like, you're just saying that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. I don't even care. Of course it doesn't make sense. It's just a nonsense excuse for them to do nothing. If you just keep saying that doesn't make sense, they'll just pull out another one. They have a hundred. There's just a group of people that don't want to do shit, spitballing excuses to not do shit in a Slack somewhere all day. It's a non-issue. So what I like to do is go, cool. I agree with you. That is an issue. Here's why that's still your problem. So go fix that issue. You not you you have agreed exists. You have agreed that this trans tag will mean that trans streamers are at a larger target for harassment. And if your response to that is not to beef up your protection for them, you have failed. Period. And now we know you know you failed. So now you want to add you think that you can't handle the responsibility of moderating just adding a trans tag is your argument is Twitch has said we don't feel we can protect trans people from the level of harassment they will receive if we allow them to tag themselves. That has been their argument from their own words. Now they are adding over 350 tags, which means that they think not only are they equipped to handle the harassment that trans people they expect to receive, they are equipped to handle that times 350. And if they prove otherwise, they have fucked up and they cannot hide behind oh god we didn't realize all these tags would make it easier to harass people bitch that was your excuse for not implementing them and if you try to do oh see we told you so look you guys are getting harassed real bad just like we said yeah so protect us you knew it was gonna happen why didn't you make any safeguards like finally getting moderators the largest percentage budget for any social media site youtube twitter facebook anything that involves the public interacting with the public should be moderators because they have to be people and they have to be paid a living wage because robots won't do it and if you cannot allow your site to get large enough with the moderation it needs site shouldn't exist it's too big then go make it go find make your site more niche this site only streams fortnite Sorry, this site only streams JRPGs. It keeps us small enough that we can moderate every channel in a way that keeps everyone safe. Like, there's a reason that we thought monopolies were bad. There's a reason we thought big business was bad compared to mom and pops. And the reason is at a certain point, the amount of the moderators it takes to make YouTube not a cesspool, just pit to the alt-right, is probably, at this point, unfeasible. But it didn't have to be. If we had demanded, just if we had accepted the internet was real a long fucking time ago, we wouldn't be here. But we want to play this game where you can just log off or it's just the internet or it's just a troll. 
I don't know if trolls are human beings that get up from their desk and go shopping and interact with human beings and make decisions that impact other human beings, just like everyone else. Trolls aren't a, a subspecies or a different species. Trolls are just people that in real life are assholes. Why would I ignore an asshole? Like, if you see an asshole, so, like, harassing someone with racist slurs on the street and you just walk by and do nothing, you're the person who's just ignoring the trolls online. Like, do you think that's how you should be handling that? Do you think that's the solution? If those videos where someone cusses out a fucking, like, lady telling their, their waiter to go back to their country or whatever, then shut the fuck up about ignoring trolls. Because that's that's the equivalent. Twitch has a responsibility, a moral responsibility, an ethical responsibility to moderate their fucking site. It's their site. It's their privately hosted site. If they can moderate it by turning off advertiser revenue, because this is what happened, is Amaranth, if you view um, in your dashboard for Twitch, you can view your channel analytics, which not only shows you how much money you've made, but it breaks it down by subs, bits, ad revenue, things like that. She was checking her channel analytics and the bar for ad revenue was gone. That's how she found out. If she was like, okay, here's my Twitch subs, here's my this. Why is my ad revenue missing? Oh, it's because it's gone. That's how she found out. If you have the ability to moderate to the, the, the finite granular level of disabling specific features of people's accounts without even notifying them, then you have the ability to moderate to where I'm not getting followed by people whose names are just different series of racial slurs. And like in the the second paragraph of the blog post that they posted about the hot tub streams, basically admits they know their user base is like terrible. Like they were like, second, I'll just read it to you because it's like wild that they put this uh, second, while we have guidelines about sexually suggestive content, then they bolded this part. Being found to be sexy by others is not against our rules. And Twitch will not take enforcement action against women or anyone on our service for their perceived attractiveness. Finally, starting when? Just full mask off. The tags are for advertisers. Everything we do is because we knew that... Because listen, the problem is you let enough toxic people make up a larger and larger percentage of the base you need for your company to survive. It gets to a point that you can't make them leave without your company buckling, which is why it's important and harder to grow a company that constantly is weeding out the riffraff as it comes so that you never get so dependent on a large enough segment of repugnant people that you're in a situation where you're issuing statements saying your perceived attraction to the streamer is not a factor in their right to stream. They also go on to say that they had to, like, the way they cut their, like, sig sexually suggestive policy was that it had to be overt and explicit because they were like well we work in video games and like female characters are objectified and sexualized in all kinds of manners in video games and like that would lead to all kinds of bans on the site if we had to be like sexually suggestive and it's just like <laughs> you care more about being like you care more about pixelated women like, being able to exist on your site than you do about the actual women who are playing video games and 
talking in hot tubs and doing cooking streams. It's like wild to me that this is like that they have like admitted that they know everything is going on and like we're just like we're still going to do nothing about it. Because like they say all these things, but they don't come out and say like, hey, if you're doing this, if you're using people's perceived attractiveness or you're attracted how much you are attracted to a streamer to put false reports or do anything like there's no punishment for that they don't lay out a thing like they just say don't do it yeah Yeah. honor system guys come on we've got breaking news on twitch uh twitch rivals was uh having a tournament for mkx is that correct yeah and it was ddos and doxed so they had to cancel that and um they will be picking it up later on Oh, don't know yeah, this is yeah. the, the first time that, from what I, from my quick research, that a Twitch Rivals event was canceled after already starting. So some have been postponed due to like weird glitches that exist in the game. But this this event, this tournament was fully on. They were going, getting ready to go into top eight, and it just straight on stopped because you know some of the top players, a lot of players, like this is happening. And there's a problem with the Mortal Kombat community in general lately, like not necessarily in tournaments, but there have been examples of this happening to Mortal Kombat streamers lately, but never at this scale, never with an event this huge, never with multiple people. I mean, the the player who's arguably top two Mortal Kombat 11 and Mortal Kombat X player of all time, uh, Ninja Killer, uh, had his whole address put in his Twitch chat and said, I'm I'm out of this tournament. I'm stopping streaming. I got to reevaluate how I move things forward. And the... It's another problem with Twitch moderating of the community. It's another problem of like, what can a streamer do outside of get a good VPN? Right. And um, yeah, we got a hell of a VPN. As far as we know, the the event will still be happening. Uh, the top eight will be just a separate event that will be under the same kind of Twitch rivals thing. But it's it's kind of huge. This has never happened for Twitch rivals before. And this just happened as we're recording. Like, as we're recording this, there are no articles to link to about this because it's happening right now. So, fresh, fresh fishy news. Fishy. Fishy. I was thinking of, like, the fish they toss. Of the Like, fish is the freshest thing you could buy. Like, fish and lobster. You basically kill it when you get home. And vegetables. No, I was talking about meat. <laughs> you don't kill meat fresh vegetable no like i would argue no because you don't like unless you grow the vegetable yourself you can't buy fresher vegetables than a still living lobster that you kill when you get home you can buy a vegetable in a pot that's how you get fresh that's what i'm saying that's you grow your own that's what i'm saying you can't buy like celery fresher than a fish that they catch that they throw to you right after they catch it i do not think any produce you can find in a grocery store is fresher Yes, if you well, if you grew your own animal, you could also get it just as fresh as if you grew your own plants. So that's why I'm like, no, you have to buy it. Your own you just animal. want me to I'm be wrong this. to be so bad. It's so important to you. Grew your own animal is a funny sentence. Just grow your own animal. <laughs> I'm growing two animals. But they're not for eating. Doesn't mean they're like not growing. That. All right, I think that's going to do it for the scrum this week. Uh, Next up, we have a quality assurance segment, which we're going to talk about accountability, and we're going to use two different stories. I'm sorry, Uh, Spencer. Do you mean 
It's time for the quality assurance. No. Is that what you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's going to get cut, except for her singing the song. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You can all suck the fattest part of my dick. Mama period, and I've been crying all week, and you still won't be nice to me. Speaking of fat dicks, your, your, um, your new pipe looks so much like a dick to me. Um... I mean, I, all pipes kind of look like a dick to me. No, it's that like it's like true. the co- it's like the color of it is like it's rose gold. Ah, uh, so it doesn't look like it. Yeah, it looks kind of like a tannish yellow. It looks like a tannish yellow, like dark skin color. It has a lot of green in person, so it just like you calling it a dick. I'm like, wow, uh, the dicks you see me. So Doctors. because you're you're, you're 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 holding the green part usually when you go up, so I, I that's the part yeah. that I don't see. That's why yeah. I'm like I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, this you don't want this one. This one's sick. <laughs> Although you know, we play video games. There be some green dicks in there sometimes. Right. I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's right. the Hulk, Thane. Oh yeah, I was thinking more of Thane. Oh, actually, that's a, okay. So some green dicks are better than others. I would let the jolly green giant fuck. Huh. <laughs> The Jolly Green Giant. Yeah, he's that, a happy guy. Sounds like a death sentence. <laughs> I can think of worse ways. That's a pull. <laughs> I mean, couple of them probably, yeah. Like a hand job, Siger. Like a hand job. <laughs> Is this part of the quality assurance? <laughs> Is this the assurance that we are giving to people? This is the quality, quality we're giving to people. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for the quality assurance. So the quality assurance this week is about accountability, and we're going to use two different stories in the news to talk about it, uh, to update us from our quality assurance last week, IGN, uh, came out and had i think it was 66 at the last time i look staff write or sign a letter uh demanding an all hands meeting and i don't do i need to explain what an all hands meeting is it's a meeting where everyone shows up all hands on deck i don't know what an all hands meeting is that's what i guessed it was so we're gonna find out that's exactly what it is boom Um, then i guess no Shout out to um, Ryan and- McCaffrey for signing this letter and getting all of his cookie points. And then the episode where he's on Colin Moriarty's show going, man, people need to stop putting their politics and their games journalism. What fucking woke losers came out? And all of a sudden, Ryan wasn't tweeting about how excited he was for Colin's podcast anymore. We also got reporting from Patrick Klepik and about the like kind of like a TikTok of how the uh, the situation over was that last weekend now went down um as i said last week they did overstep the editorial firewall and just were like this is happening no discussion no nothing yeah it was the bad one it was the worst case scenario if that wasn't so they demanded an all hands meeting with ziff davis and i think jd global and they had put a deadline of a week on it and that came out a week ago and there has been nothing, heard nothing about the meeting, if it has happened or if it has not. So 
Hopefully we'll hear more about that this week. Uh, Ziff Davis also in the news with the Creators Guild. Uh, That is a union for PC Mag, Mashable, and Ask Men. Uh, They've been trying for two years to get a contract. And so they're going on strike because they cannot get a contract from Ziff Davis. Uh, if Ziff then, Davis already has a union, why can't the IGN employees join that union? They technically don't have a union because they don't have a contract. Oh. But could the IGN employees join that attempt to get a union? Like, they're already... Is the process to get a union as easy as... Easy, quotation mark? Could they skip all of the steps and just be like, yeah, we want to join this union? Because a lot of times... <laughs> The difficulty with game, like we talked before about how voice actors are allowed to join SAG-AFTRA and how that's a big deal, because a lot of times companies will avoid unionizing employees by being like, oh, look, technically there's not a union for your very, very specific niche gaming thing, because gaming's too young to have unions, and you're not allowed to join any of the established unions that do basically the same things as you, but in different industries. So, like, they fragment unions to, you know, obviously the name of the game is to limit worker solidarity as much as possible. So the smaller the union, the less powerful the union. That's why police unions are so fucking powerful. And uh, police are real good at sticking together. Sheep like the huddle. So uh, I don't know enough about the specifics of why. Like, I get tripped up a lot. I have to look it up all the time. Like, oh, why can't this career, like, why can't this person join this type of union? And a lot of times it's really obnoxious, bureaucratic bullshit. But, like, yeah, if this is a Ziff Davis union, I got some Ziff Davis employees that could really fucking unionize. Yeah, I didn't realize that there was another group that was trying to form a union. And I'm trying to think, like, why can't IGN be a part of that? Also, shout out to IGN Israel for making a, a, another horrific statement. Oh, my God. But it included the gem of being like, oh, when we said that IGN doesn't speak for any of us, we mean they didn't speak for, like, all of us. Like, we we weren't speaking for all of IGN. We all of the IGNs. We were just, we were just like, you know, as a... As an IGN, we're talking, and other IGNs can't speak for us. But yeah, we are speaking. Back, back, yeah, there was a lot of backpedaling and a lot of, no, we didn't tell IGN America, our, our fellow IGN that isn't equal to us. We didn't tell IGN America to take down those articles and undo their support, their, their light, morally, easily defensible stance of palestine there so what the uh what the ign staff asked for were what specifically they are a collective of staff members from multiple departments and international voices that do not represent the entirety of the ign workforce is how they worded it what they asked for specifically was by the end of the week of may 19th they would like full transparency in the about the reasoning and process behind the post removal oh so that wasn't the end of Wait, I'm stupid. Does that mean the end of the week that starts on the 19th? Or does that mean the end of the week that ends on the 19th? Because the 19th was a Wednesday. So does that, that means, mean they have until the 26th? They had, they had the, until the 23rd. Okay. Well, until the 22nd? Because the 23rd is a new week? Oh, yeah, 22nd. Sorry. And I get tripped up on asked, Sundays. We asked that the management body responsible for the decision accept that responsibility publicly. 
we ask that management recognize IGN's editorial authority and autonomy with regards to what it publishes, regardless of whether it works, the work is news, reviews, features, guides, video content, or promotion initiatives our staffs feel are important, such as, such as an issue of awareness or charitable support. The big thing about that request, and they said request, we would like, we ask, I really wish they said demand. Demand is a word of action. And, you know, it's not like I'm being nitpicky, but what... When you're asking and you're saying please and blah, 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 instead of demanding, that means like if they don't do it, then what happens? You're not really. When you ask for something, there's an implication that you can say no. And when you demand something, there's an implication there will be consequences for saying no. If if I'm just asking to do something and you don't do it and then there are consequences, I'm the asshole. But if I I demand you do something, there's already understood to be consequences for not doing so. To answer your question, uh, the Ziff Davis Guild is part of the News Guild of New York. So they would be a union. It's just a union for media workers. It's the New York Times, New York Magazine, The Nation, The Daily Beast, and The New Yorker. And um, Gimlet and The Ringer both have a similar agreement where... um, podcasts that came on and other podcast networks could get into that the you to the wga it's east i think not west because i think west is just i can never remember the wga rules for what goes where (laughs) um but i think they um they also had a thing where you could like they set up that thing with the wga and then that meant more outlets could go through to become a part of the WGA and have unions with their thing. And that's what the news guild of New York is for uh, Ziff Davis. So it'd be in, I wonder if IGN could do it. Cause they're not in New York is my thought. Because they're not in New York. But would that mean that they could go to WGA West? Probably, but that would mean they'd have to do all of it. There would be no like well, I'm just wondering they'd if, have to do the whole heavy lift. There wouldn't be well, like Well, I'm just a, wondering if there's the a is there a writer's cause there's there's publications based in LA besides IGN, so I'm curious if there is a writer's guild. You know, if there if there's a Writers of America West specifically from online media publications. Because it would only have to be as specific as online media publications for IGN to be like, Hey, we want on, we want in on that union. Because if they could get in on any union, the lar- the more broad the better. Like, like I was saying, the fact, the fact that you can't tell like, if you're like, oh, shit, is it East or West? Like, that's intentional to destroy worker solidarity. Like, that's important to the plan of weakening unions. So, like, I'm always uh, – my aim is never create a new union. Like, my goal is always, like, if, if you have to, obviously you have to. But if you can get in on a bigger union and add yourself to it, you're just creating a stronger union. It looks like there's a News Guild CWA, which does – represents media workers in Southern California or Southern. See, like they're even like making it even smaller than Northern because they're in San Francisco. So Southern California, Arizona, and Texas. Wow. Arizona and Texas is cool too, though. So it's cool. Let's open that up to NorCal and get the whole thing on board. Like, why is it just Southern California? Why can't, why can't we add Northern California to it? So that is our update on IGN. It doesn't look like there's been no Davis. Ziff Davis allowed them to keep that medium post where they were making their requests that weren't demands. And I think that's the the biggest that Ziff Davis is going to let them get away with, personally. I mean, yeah. that's why it's on Medium, right? Because right. then Ziff Davis has 
no say on whether yeah, it stays just gave it, they, they didn't even post it on IGN. To me, that's such a fucking gag kid. that you you know that you can't even post this letter on your own website. You have to post it on Medium. The fact that this is a Medium post asking for their own website to give them editorial authority back is a fucking joke. And the fact there's been no response and the story is already dead, no one is talking about it, is the bigger joke. Yeah, and no one talked about Game Informer, which was like, right? arguably to me, I feel like the Game Informer conflict of interest with the owner is like so wildly inappropriate to begin with that like the only reason they've had editorial credibility is because GameStop has like been so hands off with them. But like we've heard nothing from them. Like we got, uh, I think it was Alana Rupert was like, uh, we're trying on like that month sunday night or monday and then like nothing. yeah liana river was like none of us fucking knew about this and then she posted about, like just so you guys know we're trying and then everyone was real quiet and no one's talked about it on since by any no party on any side has talked about it since that's that's what bothers me about the not using the word demands because if they use demand and they man, demanded what they wanted wanted it'll make the statement mean more but also you know now that we're past that time period if it was you know, demanding they were like really strong. They say, well, this time period has passed. The things that we asked for did not happen, or we are actively having conversations about this happening. We, we'd have more information, or there'd be a thing that would happen. There would have been repercussions. One thing that I want to talk about is that, you know, there was an original group of people that signed that, you know, open letter to IGN, like I said before, from multiple departments and international office. And there was people that didn't sign it, that also signed after the initial publication. So I just want to be clear that there's like a group of people that did it, some people that didn't, and then jumped on later. Still not, you know, everybody. But I think that's an important thing to know because there were names or people like, why didn't you sign it? Why didn't you sign it? And then some people joined in and some people still never signed it. Yeah. You know that Justin Davis was like, well, I don't feel like I'm in a position like a, a physical like my position in IGN isn't one anymore that is at a point where it's my business essentially and he was like I support it obviously but I didn't think that my name on that like that letter was for IGN staff and I'm not really IGN staff anymore I work in more like deep in the woods corporate so it didn't really feel like my place and it's like I kind of get that but I didn't stop being on GameScoop but, yeah. but also maybe sign after initial publication now that you know he because he says he's like i didn't realize so many people in my department signed it or that would have changed my mind like i or i would like i thought it was a much smaller smaller scope thing and so i'm surprised he hasn't signed on after because he tweeted saying i agree with everything they say and i didn't sign it because i didn't think that it was you know i thought it would be better to let them have this and not just like basically like jump on the bandwagon when it didn't have really anything to do with me or what i do for ign anymore um, I don't work with any of these people. But at the same time, again, Ryan McCaffrey signed this letter and then spent the period between when, like, Ryan McCaffrey spent the period between when this initial occurrence happened, when the IGN staff made the very first post for Palestine. Ryan McCaffrey was on Twitter, super stoked for his appearance with Colin Moriarty, going on and on about how excited he was and he was going to be on the show and they were publicizing it and adding him back and forth. And then literally Colin spends the whole time tweeting about how IGN um, 
shouldn't be getting their, you know, shouldn't be putting their politics on their page, how this was an irresponsible thing to do. Colin essentially was one of the main, like, one of the loudest voices criticizing this move before the post got taken down. And then when the post got taken down, he was fucking gleeful about it. And then Ryan McCaffrey is still so stoked to be on a show, recording the show later, can't wait. And it's like, then the show comes out and... I don't know if Colin is misrepresenting Ryan's views or if Ryan just flip-flopped because I'm not listening to Colin Moriarty's content. But Colin, I'm not giving him $5. Right? Colin's right? tweets about it were like, me and Ryan discuss the bullshit, throw your politics in everyone's faceness of the new IGN. And it's like, does Ryan talk about why he signed the letter, putting his name to this political, like, all the things... Colin's criticizing Ryan did does Ryan want to maybe talk publicly about why he did that and now he's buddy buddy with Colin other than the fact that he's a white guy who will not be affected by any of this in a real way I mean I think Justin falls into the same category as Ryan like he has also been someone who like if you like barely like criticize something he says like he used to say a lot and he doesn't anymore as the husband of my wife and the father of my daughter. And when people were like, yo dude, like, could you just like support women? Cause we're like people, he would get like super incensed and upset that you were like questioning his report. And like him, him and McCaffrey feel like they're cut from the same. I mean, Justin's also read Colin to filth on Twitter. So I would say that's a little unfair to Justin because Ryan has done nothing but that like centrist. I want to be friends with everybody because I don't understand how that hurts. the Like I never learned that doing nothing immediately sides me with the oppressor because I'm a white cis male. Like it's just, he does the bare minimum easy stuff. That's already sure to be popular. And then best in the credit of that. It's the same thing with like, it's super, I would be super impressed if any company had come out super supportive of Black Lives Actually Mattering prior to 2020. Post 2020, I would I would be really impressed if a company came out with an entire like pride LGBT thing outside the month of June. I would I would fucking be like, "Oh, so you actually maybe care." There is nothing more hollow to me at this point. That we've been through so many seasons of this. Like, it's a holiday. Like, they're getting out their 4th of July fucking decorations. Where it's like, oh, now we pretend to care about black people. Oh, now we pretend to care about gay people. And it's like, no, you obviously fucking don't. You just want the cookie points for doing something when everyone's, like... It's like the equivalent of when you're working at a fast food shop that never fucking cleans anything, but then the inspector's coming, so then you guys spend that week, like, scouring the restaurant, and when the inspector comes, it's like, okay, this is the only time we check, and I'm checking the box, because I see you've done it this week, and then they go, look, we passed inspection, obviously we do everything right. Okay, let's go back to not doing any of that, woohoo! Like, it's just a fucking joke at this point. It's happened so many times. It's so many years of it, where it's like, oh, man... You obviously don't give a fuck. You obviously like, yeah, I like, I'm sorry. I'm still so upset that I've called that calling Ryan McCaffrey out for like the misogyny and the classism. I've gotten responses of, well, while Ryan was the host of Unlocked, he had multiple black friends be on his show. Like you might pick me up going back to that a lot. Cause that is the only defense of Ryan McCaffrey I ever get. When he was on Unlocked, he had black friends on the show. He's an ally one no like that's the bare fucking minimum are they hired and getting a full living wage at ign no 
he got cookie points for doing the bare fucking minimum. And everyone knew that it would only, like, there was no risk to that. There's no risk to having your personal friends be on your podcast whatsoever. And especially, like, when you have me on your podcast during Women's History Month or when it's topical for women in gaming to be a thing, it doesn't make me go, wow, this person really cares about my voice. It makes me go, wow, this person really wanted to get the brownie points for being woke, so they called their one gamer girlfriend. Like, it's just, it's predictable at this point. It's sad, it's hollow, and it's fake, and I'm not giving you any points for it. The actionable things are, Ryan McCaffrey doesn't care about the environment because he's sucking Elon Musk's dick so bad that the critical thinking part of his brain melted. That guy called heroes pedophiles because they didn't like his death sub, and he's launching $100,000 cars into space while we have a huge problem with space debris. The dude is trying to recreate indentured servitude on a hostile planet because saving our own planet wouldn't make him personally powerful enough. It's fucking disgusting. So one, you're an Elon Musk stan. You're already either an idiot or evil, but probably both. Period. Two, you're gonna go hang out with Colin Moriarty while he mocks genocide? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? And the place where you work. Like, you really think that you're better than other people because you want to be friends with everybody. That's what really gets my goat, is that the people who are like, I just want to be friends with everyone. I just like peace. I'm just a people pleaser. It's like, no, you're just weak and cowardly. And you don't want to rock the boat because it's hard and you don't want to be uncomfortable. So you do whatever's easy for you. I have, like, like, the whole thing with him makes me question, like, what's going on at IGN, like, not in like an editorial sense, but in like a lot of times when you work at big outlets like that, if you're on a podcast, you have to get like sign off on it, right? Like you can't just be like off doing whatever, right? Like if you work like a movie studio where you do something like that, like you just don't get to like go be on people's podcasts. Like you have to like get sign off from your production company or get sign off from whoever's in charge of the project that you could possibly be talking about or like on the other and they'll hand- be like or they'll be like, hey, you could go on this podcast, but you can't you can't talk about XYZ, X, Y, Z, whatever. If IGN had a policy of not letting people be on Colin's podcast, Colin would absolutely find out about it right away and he would love it. Like if he could tweet about how he got canceled and like McCarthy blacklisted from I you know, that that kind of shit, which he would absolutely spin it as. I feel like we would know about it. I just, under, I don't, yeah, I mean, I think it's probably because they just let, like, they still seem to just let, con- like, their creators make outside podcasts unchecked, no matter how many times it's going to come back and, like, end up equaling, like, whole departments being, like, leveled in, like, one move. But, like, it's just, it's always weird how, like, the media part of that company what are they going to do? Pay their employees enough that they don't need to be independently famous with their own Patreon and podcast that eventually spins off enough that it's not worth the crazy hours for the menial wage? You want them to pay them more? Because that's not happening. Honestly, it's perfect. IGN probably loves the fact that every couple years, right when their most senior employees would normally be getting burnout so bad that they would be quitting the industry altogether. No, by then... They've created their own successful podcast and they can leave IGN so that the new ground of people that are underpaid and overworked 
can do all of the work at IGN while also producing their own content on the side until that content gets so big that they leave. Like, that's IGN's exit strategy for how they deal with turnover. They were going to burn those people out anyways. Like, nobody was going to be a lifer at IGN regardless because they're not going to pay them enough and they're going to overwork them. So if they already know... Stapleton, I think, is probably going to be a lifer. Uh I don't think he's... Hey, there's always that one waitress, you know? There's always the one waitress that's been there since she was 19 and now she's 59. And we love her. You know, but that's only because they put up with a lot of shit that a lot of people didn't. And there's usually a lot of personal reasons behind that. You know, I worked at a lot of places with a lot of 59 year old waitresses, but it's, it's that thing. It's like, why would they care that these people are creating Patreons and getting their own stuff? They know that they're they're not going to retire at IGN. The fucking people that created IGN are all dipping out. Like, who's left? Fran left. I think Pierre's like the only one. Who's the host of GameScoop? Damon Hatfield? Oh my god, yeah. Damon Hatfield is like... Okay, I like Damon Hatfield. My ex used to play his music all the time. So like, when I think of Damon, I think of his music a lot. But like, Damon Hatfield is that guy who's like the cool uncle that lives in the basement and everyone forgets. That's what I was thinking. Like, I constantly forget he's there, but I'm like, oh yeah, he's so cool. Why is he fucking there? Like, like that actor that's still on that TV show in season 16, even though they've already been in a ton of famous movies. He's like the Steve Carell. Of IGN. Damon Hatfield, another person that did not sign the letter. Yeah, I forgot he existed. Yeah. Ubisoft. So the other. Do you have. Uh, you no, I, was, I was right behind that, so Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, so in the other story we want to talk about this week, Ubisoft is getting sued by a bunch of people. Um, like because... A bunch of people. <laughs> A bunch. Uh, and so the uh, the like legal proceedings in France are starting. And um, we're starting to find out more about what they've done or have not done to uh, deal with the toxic culture that uh, came to light last year. Uh, it's spoilers, not a lot. The letter they sent out was signed by Yves Gamon. So like how much change can you expect from a man who was leading the company the whole time the toxic culture was happening? And everyone's like, like, yeah, the people that got fired are cool, but all of the people that were in power that were allowing the atrocities to continue are in the exact same positions and they were the ones responsible for hiring replacements. So no, none of us feel safe. Has basically been the response. Like, there are a lot of responses in French, and I was like, Google Translate did a like, good job with a lot of the tweet threads, but I'm not going to lie, I didn't link them, because it's kind of exhausting going through them, and like, you know, the Google Translate's almost there, so you can take a second to like, piece it together, but it's 280 characters a time of like, reading two sentences, piecing them from franglais into English. Okay, well, like, do that again, like, eight, nine times, but minus the, the French-English the word not translation errors but the the language barrier there you go minus the french english language barriers there was some pretty good stuff so yeah the french publication uh la telegram did a huge like deep dive into everything and they were like yeah your hr department's fucked which is always great it's always great when the hr department is best described as fucked uh yeah the director of hr stepped down um vp of global diversity and inclusion comes from uber which i don't know oh god getting anybody from uber is like getting somebody from like enron to me really uber (laughs) 
that thing that's never made money? You want to go ask Jack Dorsey some good business tips too? Like, what are we doing here? What are, what are we doing? We got we got some good games journalism here. Really appreciate the the games journalism following this. Yeah, but like story where we got it from. It's ridiculous when it's like okay. So here's an elected representative from Ubisoft's social and economic committee said they don't, they don't, this is a direct quote, expect anything to come out of these appointments, end quote, as the HR staff who covered the harassment issues are still in position. So HR, like that fucked HR, they got rid of the lead and everyone else is still there. All of, so it's like firing the DM or like firing the general manager, but the assistant managers are still the same. The shift managers are still the same. Like, Okay, maybe that one guy at the top was the worst, but all of their lackeys were doing a really good job executing that shittiness. Like, eh. um, yo, Florent, um, I'm trying to say this last name. Sorry, that's why I stopped in the middle of a sentence. So you have Florent, ah, Castelnarok, 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 Florent Castelnarok. No, that's wrong. That sounds Russian. This fucking piece of shit who heads Ubisoft-owned Nadio. So the head of Nadio was accused of harassing over a dozen employees. He's still in position. Uh, management is protecting him, according to union representatives. The director of Ubisoft Singapore stepped down in November. Oh, that sounds good. But he still works at Ubisoft in a different role. You know, like how cops get chased out of their department for excessive force and then they get hired at other departments and then all of the police officers just do like a carousel. It's like that, but with sexual harassment, just lists and lists of like, here's all the problem people. Here are the ones that are still in their position. Here are the ones that step down to different positions still within the studio. Golly gee, things are sure taken care of. We have a new HR rep. Yeah, I think it sucks because I, I say a lot of sense with it, with it sucks because I hate that there's a lot of things that Ubisoft was doing that like I was getting ready to be a part of around that time too, where it's like Ubisoft was getting ready, well, has been doing a lot of like black game pros events and black organizations is like, but one of the, the, the main name behind that, uh, Andrew, whose last name I don't remember was escalates on twitter doesn't have yeah he's gone um, gone was heading that out along with some other people and then that was know, so crazy he got fired but all the other people still there and i don't know how you know how involved he was they were with him in any regard but like teams are they the same that is the problem things happen and teams remain the same what i do appreciate is that the ubisoft has like official streaming communities for their games and the Assassin's Creed community, uh, as of last week, a large part of it decided we're we're going to stop streaming Assassin's Creed because you're not giving us any updates on this culture and this abuse in your company, and we we don't stand for it anymore. And it was awesome and spearheaded by a black woman because, of course. So we knew about HR like last year. I was looking it up to make sure HR has been like I just like I don't know how you fix an HR comp like an HR like situation as bad as this because like people would be like hey someone's sexually harassing me and hr was was met with direct quotes that they are using in court they're creatives that's how they work i don't even have words for that i really i don't even know how to respond to that combination of words being said in court 
It's yeah, just so by... you're numb to it at a certain point. Like, of course they said that. Of course they said that. Like, I don't know. They I'm literally so said they said the equivalent of boys will be boys. Yes. Like, I. Basically. That's, like, it's not shocking to me. It's not like I don't know how to process that. Of course, I've grown up my whole life being told boys will be boys in response to anything a boy's ever done to me. Like, yeah, I, of course. Well, that's a creative. Well, that's an athlete. Well, that's a doctor. Well, that's, it doesn't matter what they are. Somehow that's always a thing that's allowed to do whatever it wants if it's a fucking white dude. Like. There aren't excuses their behavior, obviously. Right? It's just so good. I have to be in this Roman Polanski film. Yeah. The other thing that also drives me insane about Ubisoft is they want to have the they want to have the sheen of like we're doing the correct PR thing and we're like talking about you and we're being upfront about it, but it like never comes with the the like reasoning like we had to say something because the Assassin's Creed streaming community was like, we're not doing this. And so we had to come out and say something or like when the, like when this first, when this happened last year, it came out, like, was it the day before the Ubisoft big, like E3? Yeah. The Ubisoft forward for E3. Yeah. For the E3 or like the E3 replacement conference. Right. And, like, they had to put a press statement out that morning that they conveniently left the hashtag for the event that they were having later. So, like, we said it. We we don't want anybody to ever know about it. And, like, that just feels like when that's how you've taken it and, like, you still, like, just can't be, like, clear and, like, you just can't be, like, clear and concise about, like, why you have to do these things like you're just talking about like how hard it is and like we have 14 i think it was 14,000 people are having assessments yep at ubisoft um it doesn't feel great like are those like assessments of like victims like intaking like that or is it like we had HR had to sit down 14,000 people and be like, you can't act like this anymore. Because, like, if it's the latter... <laughs> I, mean, I mean, which one like, that's worse work. or better, you know what I mean? Like, 14,000 victims can only be divided by so many... You know, like... It's not like that's three people. 14,000 victims of sexual harassment in the workplace means that there were how many people responsible? Like, yeah, it's a smaller number than 14,000, but it's probably not a smaller number than 5,000. And they talk about updating the internal code of fair content or conduct. It should not be internal. When you have a a fuck up of this magnitude, that code of conduct should be public so that every person who works at Ubisoft is held to so the public knows what standard to hold your employees to. Yep. Especially when so many of the like abuse cases that came out last summer were front-facing, community-facing people. I wonder like, how WB Games getting sold is going to affect that horrific misogynist working on the transphobes wizard game. Didn't he already step back from it? I yes. thought it got announced earlier, yeah, but that doesn't mean... I don't know. I know that he got immediate blowback and stepped down when he got immediate blowback, but I just feel like in a year... Is WB Games just going to put him in charge of another project? 
Like, I, I, I don't know if he's a WB Games anymore. He can uh, go in. He, I mean, the way the games industry works, you can go lots of other places just as easily. My biggest problem with everything that's happening with Ubisoft right now, uh, outside of the fact that they're not doing enough, is, um, and it also has to deal with our topic last week and this week, is this the concept of what games journalism should be and journalistic integrity and how when when we learned about Harvey Weinstein, every fucking news outlet did a lot of work around it. Now, this is like worse. There's 1,400 cases, right, of this, right? 14,000. 14,000, sorry. Yeah, 14,000. And the biggest news outlets for our industry barely, barely do anything about it. Now, when, when, it, when it first happened, Kotaku did a lot of work on it. Polygon did some work on it. But they're, they're known for being the outliers in that case. And it's still not as much as what they should get paid to do. But, like, why, why haven't we been getting consistent updates on this and, you know, deep investigative journalism with, you know, redacted names from sources and stuff from, like, the big, the big guns, the IGNs, the GameSpots. Because they're not because journalism they sure outlets. They code. Because they're yeah, the exactly. e-cable news of gaming. They're not trying to be the New and York it, Times. They just want the cloud of the New York Times when it suits them. It's just a, it's such a disservice <laughs> to this industry. It, it's why it's why people don't know what's going on. It's why people yeah. like it's like why I have to remind like when I have friends that don't know anything about this industry or anything like. Oh yeah, Ubisoft did this, and I was like, "Really? I, I I never I didn't even heard it." I was like, I "Even I even follow like IGN. I haven't really heard about this. I don't follow them. If I follow them, you feel like I would have heard about it, but no, because no one's they're not talking about it. And it's such a disservice, it's such a wrong thing to our industry that like when bad things happen, the people that buy the games made by these bad areas or these areas guilty don't know about it, aren't being told it by the people that we are supposed to trust." to do that yeah and like we talked about it like a little bit last week with that and like building off of that and how accountability should work like the amount of blowback i got this week over pretty like tepidly being like you cannot just like let this ign thing go under the rug like people need to make some sort of stand about it any kind of stand about it like like quit, like do whatever, like figure out something, something has to be done. And people just automatically have this response of like, oh, but they're nice people and we're all friends. They need and like, jobs. I can't be mean to my they friends. And I like, the they need a job. that happened around the same thing last year with Ubisoft. Like when anybody was perceived to go too far in criticizing Ubisoft, it was, but so-and-so works there and he's super right. nice or so-and-so works there and they're great. And it's like, Correct. I can like lots of people, but I can also think they're professionally doing a bad job at something. And it doesn't mean that I think they're a terrible person or a moral person or any of that, but they are like fucking up in an instance where like that needs to be discussed. And we can't be afraid to have the hard conversations that need to happen around accountability around these big companies because we're afraid that we're going to make the social media manager feel bad because they work there. It all goes back to the incest orgy. Is when no. like Imran Khan tweeted something about, you know, if, like if I were at this type of outlet, I would be 
he said something turning in my letter of resignation turning, yes and then and then uh, it was lucy o'brien lucy o'brien thank you thank you lucy o'brien uh lucy o'brien responded one of the uh, persons people that work at ign was uh, part of the writing of the letter is saying like basically don't put words like this out there there's a there's a common thing is like you know if you have feelings about this don't say it on social media because you you know these people are dealing with blah blah, blah. it's like you you it, basically she was saying don't say stuff like this on social media because it puts a lot of pressure on people who can't just quit their job on a moment's notice because it's the right thing to do and it's like yeah quitting your job is really hard making moral stances is really hard and usually requires personal sacrifice you make 14 dollars an hour working at a fucking video game company you're not like a military doctor you can quit your fucking job it's not that serious. I, and like, I, I get the the struggles like oh man I work at a terrible place and I'm not and I'm and I feel like I'm in a position where I can't quit my job. You can still let people say if I was in this position, this is what I would do because the journalistic integrity of every single person on that editorial team will not be put in question because of this action that this conglomerate did. Yeah. And and the, the there's like a, there was a consistent rhetoric of like don't put these people in in on don't put pressure on these people it's like it's not putting pressure it's saying this shit's fucked up someone needs to take notice of it someone and, needs to do something and literally just saying this is what i would do like how you how dare you say what you would do if you were in this situation i'm in this situation and i wouldn't do that and it's like okay cool good for you there are people who aren't in this situation that also wouldn't do it like i think i got like i like because i was like literally losing my mind on monday about it because it was just like the problem is is that the rubber met the road of the personality driven like coverage that ign does like ign editors and ign reporters are all very chatty on twitter they are all extremely online people oh my god spencer have opinions about everything I just had a major breakthrough about something we were talking about earlier. It goes back to the letting them have their own Patreons and podcasts. If IGN lets everyone humanize and individualize and parasocialize with the individual people at IGN, it does two things. It makes it easy to clean out the people who are leaving and being like, oh, they left because they got a new podcast, not because everyone leaves this job after five years because of burnout and low pay. So it has that. It also has the added benefit of people doing free PR and defense and HR for IGN because they have the parasocial relationships with these people because they do typically have Patreons and podcasts and rely on creating a, a, oh, well, let's just sit and chat FDR fireside chats about every little thing on Twitter. Like, holy shit, that's another benefit for IGN because look at what happened to you when you tried to talk about IGN and just about like basic journalistic, oh, my mind is exploding into fucking pieces right now. I don't know if you can smell it. <sighs> I can. So here's the exact tweet that Imran said, because I think it's pretty like important to note how tepid it was and not saying how it literally does not say that he thinks anybody should do it. Like he says not to speak for anyone else, but corporate owners deleting a post of mine and then apologizing for the post as if they were resent representing me would be getting my resignation within the day. Yeah. Yeah. He's very specific about himself and only himself. And he literally says, I don't want to speak for anyone else. 
And he tries to do the hypothetical, I'm not mentioning any names or situations, so way to, like, out yourself. Like, when hit dogs holler and they're like, how dare you hit me? It's like, oh, so you admit that I hit you with that. And then they're like, damn it. Doxed. You doxed me. The other problem with it is, is that if people inside the organization don't feel like they have the job security or the ability to leave and they are stuck there, you are only carrying water for the corporate entity by silencing the people who aren't connected to that outlet from getting the awareness of that issue out there. Like that's all you're doing. Like you think like you see it a lot with Twitch because Twitch arguably has like some pretty great social people in their like thing. People like them. They are, they have great social media brands and like anytime Twitch steps in it, one of them is always like, Oh, you guys don't know how hard it is to like, look at the, the, the disappointment and the, we can never do anything right tweets all day long. It's like, no, I get it. That sucks. But that is literally your job. Literally your job. Social media is not easy. It sucks. It's hard. You see a lot of shit you don't ever want to look at and you should pay them more because they are the public facing group of your, of your. They're the voice of your company to the public. Yeah. Literally. It's what I hate all this kumbaya shit. It's like, we all got to hold the hands and we all got to be nice to each other all the time. And no one gets held accountable and no one takes stands for anything because we're all nice and we all like each other. Just do some shit. Do I'm so sick shit. of toxic Just... positivity. It's like, it's I can't gross. find a stream team because any stream team that's not like dripping in misogyny is one of those like, we're all positive streamers trying to find a happy place in games. And I'm like, I talk about how fucked up and transphobic society is on a pretty frequent basis. Am I allowed in your thing? Because I don't really want to be positive as much as I want to point out all the fucked up shit in the world and have real conversations on my channel. Is that allowed anywhere? No? Fuck me, I guess. Positive. It's also surprising how quickly stream teams can die. I have seen so many, oh, I'm leaving this stream team. I'm leaving that stream team for whatever different reasons post within the past month and a half. Are there people who really give a shit about stream teams? Yes, yes there are. Are there anybody uh, under, insane amount. Like anybody uh, under like anybody old enough to drink? Yes. Yes. Really? I'm I've yes. never met I'm somebody in the who's like of a couple of them. Yeah, they're wild. I've just never heard anybody be like, "Oh, I'm really big fan of this stream team." That's like honestly why I'm so curious. Because I'm like, I hear about people in stream teams. Like, I never hear about anybody following stream teams. Like I've in Twitter, I never see anybody retweet anything from a stream team that's not in that stream team. It's never a fan. Yeah, uh, like when uh, the whole thing with zombie happened, and a lot of people were leaving. Was it Radically Kind Gamers, I believe, was the stream team Which is another, for... like, rooted in toxic positivity, so whatever, Radically Kind. Like, what, what's kindness? What, what does that mean to you? Exactly. But like, usually that's, like, a, a buzzword. Dog whistle. But, like, when all that happened, there were so many posts about people leaving that specific stream team, and there were people who were, I, I guess that team had a Discord, and there were just, like, fans of streamers in that stream teams, all just, like having a big meltdown of the Discord because of everything that was going on around Zombie. I thought everything. this was about the second version of the KFBF stream team dissolving the moment it got got started, just like the last time there tried to be a KFBF thing. Hey guys, stop trying to make your own personal content by piggybacking off of somebody else's brand. One, it looks really tacky and unoriginal. 
two, you're only ever going to help that person's brand get stronger because what you're actually doing is just creating a sub like community within their community. So all of the benefits and money and shit is really going to go to them at the end of the day. Very little is going to go to you. So you're just being free PR. Like you need to be paid. If you're going to do a sub community based off an existing community and you're not getting paid by them, you're being used by them. Second off, if they're letting you use their brand like that and they're not paying you, they probably don't have their shit together because what if you're racist? Like, how were you vetted? What do you, what, can anybody just do that too? Do you want to like be part of a, a group that just lets anybody be like, oh yeah, we're also part of it. We're the Nazi chapter. Like, it's just nobody wins. It's a lose-lose situation. If you're willing to put all that time and effort into growing your own brand, make it your own brand. Make it your own IP. Don't piggyback it to someone else's. It's I've seen it happen with KF so many times over the last five years, and it just it never works. You end up having to rebrand if you get big enough because your brand was all based on somebody else's brand. So like, so you have to do a rebrand, which is risky. So just skip all of the headaches and stop trying to piggyback off other people's success. It only makes you look desperate and sad. But if you want to piggyback off of our success and make some weak patch <laughs> uh, spinoff groups. All it does is serve to help us. Yeah, we will you. love it. But 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 I'll take it. You know, I'll, I'll if I see you in person, I will give you a socially distanced handshake, which means I'll just wave at you. Oh my god! I was gonna I say, what that. is that? It's a, like a sideways hand or a sideways wave. When you said social distance handshake, I thought you guys were, I thought you were talking about like those like goo like stretchy hands that you buy at the like quarter machines that you can oh. like you get two of them that was stack your them first spot that's where your mind is <laughs> yes. you said goo you and said it, goo. my mind immediately went to that stupid thing you made us all look up on kaylee's stream zoo zoo oh. and no, now i didn't no, make no, anyone no, look that up not go to zootube you guys those are what are they called <laughs> fuck what are they called they should be called they're like jellyfish they're something jelly every fish. time you talk about a toy like that jammers. that's the only thing i can think of you have scarred me for life jellyfish Jellyfish. You said goo, and literally all three of us cringed a little. Like, I yeah. saw us all frowned and moved back. <laughs> <laughs> and, that was, and you talked about, I know the sticky hands, like, oh, that's where you're going? That's not where I and thought. they're not goo. They're sticky yeah. hands. They're not goo. Goo is like a liquid. Like, it's Socially like plasma. Goo. It's not and I guess now this link needs to show up in the, in the episode notes. Goo is flubber. Stretchy hands are not flubber. You don't know what goo is, Psyker, and you made everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> hey, Kaylee, yeah. if people wanted to see uh, the original IGN Palestine post, where could they see it? Uh, they could see it on the real IGN, which isn't a bunch of cowards and isn't afraid to continue hosting uh, ways that you can help Palestine. The real IGN, of course, being internetgamingnews.com. That's right, people whose episode this is not the first of. I don't know. <laughs> I bought it. I bought internetgamingnews.com. And yes, I checked the box for auto-renewing the domain, so don't even think about it. So if you'd like to, you can go to internetgamingnews.com, a.k.a. The Real IGN, and you can see how you can help the people of Palestine. It's mostly giving money and calling your fucking senator. And maybe don't like participate in Eurovision because Eurovision is Zionist and literally had a host in Israel and is super funded by Israel. Oh, did you guys know that Raid Shadow Legends is an Israeli company? No. So I do not. Palestinians uh, believe that one of the best ways that you can help 
support Palestine is BDS, boycott, divest, and sanction. Sanctioning is why you need to call your Congress people because you can't really help with sanctions. But boycotting and divesting are some easier ways that you can help with, which is basically boycott products that support, you know, the IDF, Israel, things like that. Um, and, you know, divest from things that uh, directly fund Israel. Uh, but, yeah, that's one of the biggest ones is... Uh, the other popular one I saw was Sabara hummus. Like, go find a local hummus place. Like, don't for a second of it. Never mind. Yeah, that was that was a pretty big one too. Uh, but yeah, Eurovision uh, sends a bunch of money to Israel, so they help kill children, and you shouldn't really listen to their dumb songs. Sorry about it. You can watch that Will Ferrell movie though. It's like the same experience. You don't have to feel about it, right? Like, if you really need to get some Eurovision in your life, just watch a Will Ferrell movie. I promise you, it's not that different. But I'm trying to think. There was actually another one where I was like, I'm sorry, that's an Israeli company? And it blew my fucking mind. And the second one was Eurovision and Raid Shadow Legends. But I'm trying to think. There was another one where it's like, no, that's an Israeli company. And I was like, are you shitting me? Oh, yeah. And Iceland got fined for displaying a Palestinian flag during the Eurovision finale. Like, they're actively anti-Palestine. Is it Pampers? That is really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They uh, Procter and Gamble gets their diapers from an Israeli company. Hmm. I didn't know that. Is it Victoria's Secret? Ooh, that feels like it's getting closer. Is it Soda Stream? I don't think people remember that they're. Oh, really? Well, no, I didn't. Guess I'm done with them. Oh, I remember what it was. Wix, the website fucking oh, Wix dot com. If you have a Wix dot com website, you're funding the fucking IDF. That's what it was. Yes. Wix.com is an Israeli website domain service that a lot of people to WordPress. use. That was, sorry. Go back to WordPress. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shopify, what's up? But <laughs> Wix was the one that blew my mind where I was like, what? Really? And yep, sure, sure. I looked it up. It's an Israeli software company um, headquartered in Tel Aviv. All right. So when you're not rebuilding your Wix website... You could be playing video games like us. So we're going to transition into free play. Play some games. That was such a good song. I worked so hard on it. Did I was going to let you go first, and now I'm going to let Jordan go first. Let's talk about Nier. Yeah, you worked on that one. I finally <laughs> beat ending A of Nier. My, my clock right now is 70 hours in. Um, oh, wow. That 70 hours minus maybe five of me starting that second playthrough. And it's not a second to playthrough because of how they do things. I think this is going to be one of my favorite games of the PS4. I'm counting it as a PS4 game, even though I'm playing it only on my PlayStation 5. I have three great things to say about this game. And that's kind of cheating because what if there are a lot of long loading screens that would have impacted your appreciation of the game? But I don't know. Just saying. No, the loading screens wouldn't have bothered me at all. The the way this game uh, deals with its small map is fantastic. Uh, they do a thing where there's really just three towns, 3.5 if you count the, your home base area, and the things that they make you do and the way the reasons that they make you go back and forth within those towns over and over again for side missions and blah, blah, don't feel like I'm like wasting this reused space because the characters that I'm seeing are all interesting and doing this are living their whole lives, and what I'm getting out of that makes going to those places always a treat. Love that. And 
second part is how that goes into their game design of how they deal with endings. An ending is not an ending in this game. It's like you're just revisiting this area that you went to before and now seeing completely new things. Um, trying to change my thoughts to not get spoily. There are large parts in this game that are just you reading text. And that is oh, my really? third thing nice. that I love this about this game. <laughs> you are just it for a moment the game will just stop and then you will you'll read a story. You'll read a thing that breaks down some extra lore. There are parts of the game that just straight up turn into a text adventure game that completely do everything that I need a game like this with limited space to do. And I'm seeing like, oh, there's budgetary reasons that this exists. However, it turns into this creative choice that is interesting and like uplifting this experience for me. And the game keeps doing it over and over and over again. And as I'm going into this B playthrough, uh, once I, I, I did 95% of all the side missions in my A playthrough, which is why it took so long. I didn't do two side missions. One, because I was tired of waiting. No, one, because I waited too long. And if you wait too long for some missions, they just become uncompletable and they go into your uncompletable list. Oh, uh, really? Oh, dang. Okay. Maybe like something happens to the NPC or maybe the NPC moves or blah, blah, blah. Uh, or there's time skips and so on and so forth. Uh, and the other one literally takes minimum four four real life days to complete because I have oh, to wow. I have to grow flowers and flowers grow in real time and they take two days and I have to wait for them to die so I can crossbreed them with another flower which take another two days so minimum two days I, I, I'm not waiting this I'm just gonna beat the game now but I, by my my save was that long but as I get into this other one I mean I probably would have done gotten there like thirty hours if I didn't do all of that but as I go into this other playthrough and I'm getting an extensive amount of lore from extra characters and like several new dungeons. They repurposed the DLC from the original game as its own small dungeon that opens up after the first playthrough in this game, which isn't necessarily a spoiler. It's just how they dealt with the handling of an old game having DLC. And it's like, hey, by the way, you can't go back if you start this. It's going to take a while, just so you know. So it's the game's expanding in ways using its limited space that I find like exactly what i wanted when i was when i say i i am kind of tired of the way open world games are done and you can have small concise games that are super deep and and this game really encapsulates that hopefully it doesn't continue like doesn't take a turn for the worst as i continue down the endings but i'm really liking near really liking near. i'm like nearing more my, or the end of my time as the past near uh it's it's pretty different and when I say it's pretty different in, is because the things I liked about Nier Automata is the way it dealt with endings was completely different because it was kind of arbitrary in a kind of way that kind of sucked, but that was also kind of awesome. And that doesn't exist in this game so much, where it's like, I'm not going to walk on the other side of a map after it tells me to do thing, and it's going to give me a game over screen saying you got an ending because you ignored this mission, therefore the world ends. And then it should, and then fast forwards through credits and then starts me over again which is the thing that happens zero time i'm just that's a spoiler who cares it's it's, it's a troll ending. it's an old ending and it's a troll ending. it doesn't do any of that um near automata had more systems in it some of which i liked more some of which i hated so they kind of level out for me oh okay uh I, 
it's very likely though that I like this game better because I had the motivation to get all the endings, whereas with Nier Automata, I did endings A, C, and E, and um, just like six of them. And then eventually the cool stuff got spoiled for me, and I was like, oh, I have no motivation to play this. I don't think if the spoilers come for this, I, I still I would still have the motivation to play this if this game got spoiled for me. Uh, the other game I was playing this week, and I'm not going to speak much of it because I didn't play a lot of it, but I've been really enjoying my time, is My Hero Academia's Strongest Hero on uh, mobile. It's a full-ass MMO uh, that feels like a full-ass MMO on mobile, and I and I turned it on, and I started doing my thing. I was like, is, I'm, I'm walking in an overworld? Easily? What, how far is mobile games? I, like, I, I'm a big proponent of mobile games. But like this is a triple A as mobile game. Really? Oh, okay. Now the combat is kind of simplified. The the combat's almost like if you played Elite Beat Agents, it's kind of like that type of rhythm game where there's a circle and then uh, a circle starts enclosing itself and if you hit it at the right time it does the action. So it's like a little bit of that, oh, which is okay. kind of like a quick time event, kind of like a rhythm game. That's how combat is. Elite Beat Generally Agents soft. used to be the demo game for all of the DSs that didn't have Mario Kart as the demo game when the DS first came out. And I used to run up to the kiosk to see if it was Elite Beat Agents or Mario Kart because I would play the Mario Kart for as long as I could. I played Elite Beat Agents every single time. It was the kiosk game, and I never once figured out when I was supposed to hit the thing. I never got past the very first notes. Dang, Elite Beat Agents is my absolute favorite Nintendo DS game in the top five game of all time for me. Hate that game. Wow. I can't it's, play it. Yes, it didn't show up in your top ten game. Oh, ten games of the decade. I guess it's decade. a little too old. That's what I was asking. It came out in like two thousand, like three years before. Yeah. No, I was always so frustrated with that fucking game because I was like, "What do you want from me? I will do whatever you want. I just don't know what you want." I would start my days by do playing the song September from Earth, Wind, and Fire and Elite Agents, and it would give me happiness. For the first hour of my day uh but yeah i i can go plus ultra now on my phone damn <laughs> what's your character days. you have um what the way they do is that you it's a gotcha game also kind of so you'll just have all the characters from the show oh you'll you'll you'll, you'll, so you'll it's get not an mmo like you make your character and then you get all op correct oh. that is the difference it is not your own character in that regard but I'm cool because I just kind of wanted to play as the characters that I like, which are just the teachers. All the students in My Hero Academia suck, except Deku, who's only fine. From My Hero Academia to the empty, barren wasteland of Massachusetts, you want to talk about Fallout? I feel like I might be becoming one of those people. And those people oh. are the people that I never quite understood People like Ninja. People who are like, yeah, I play this game. And it's like, yeah, what other games do you play? And it's like, no. <laughs> play this game. <laughs> I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I play Fallout 4. And I have a list of other of games in 2020 I wanted to play. And like three have already come out. And I'm like, 
But I laid out a roadmap to get my perfect character build, and I started a new character so I could streamline it, and I need to get to level 158 so I can have all the perks that I want. So my goal is to get to level 158 while completing as little of the story as possible so that I can get all my perks before I really start playing. So I don't know when I'm going to have time for other things. I just love... I've played the shit out of Fallout 4. I have put so much time into fallout 4 so fallout 4 counts your time by like hours and then days so like once you hit 24 hours you've been playing for like one day and then however many hours um my fallout 4 is in the weeks column at this point it's like i've been playing for like one week one day something hours you know that's how it keeps track now like the you know that moment when your car's odometer turns over to that new like Oh, level nine, you know, mile 9,999, and then, you know, you flip to 10, same thing happens, 100,000. I feel like that's what I'm doing. Like, when I first crossed the threshold from date, like, hours to days, I was like, damn, I've been playing for days amount of Fallout. And now it's like, I've been playing for weeks amount of Fallout. And it's because I got a PS5 at launch, humble brag, and then there were no games on it, monkey's paw curls. But they did give me Fallout 4 for free on it. Second Monkey's Paw Finger Curls. <laughs> so I just have been playing Fallout 4. And I was like, yeah, I've played out so much Fallout 4 at this point. I should switch to Fallout 76 so I can have some new content. And so I tried Fallout 76 for the very first time. And I do not play shooters. I play Fallout 4 100% in VATS. It's the first Bethesda game I've ever played. And I only use VATS. I do not aim to shoot at shit except i keep a sniper rifle on me to clear out mirelurk egg nests that's that's what i shoot and that's because they don't move and take my time and clear them out so playing fallout 76 i was really really scared because i was like this is an mmo which means it's always online which means you can't pause i'm a person to like pull up the menu for like 20 minutes because i smoke a lot of weed so it's like i'll pull up the menu and i'll be like grinding a bowl and you can't do that on a in an mmo Unless you're at specific locations, because you will fucking die. Or, like, I do like the fact that you can be like, I'm not PvPing. I really do like that. But it's still, you can die. Like, a rad scorpion can just stab you in the back. It doesn't give a fuck that you have your Pip-Boy open. So that was intimidating. But that does not work the same way as it does in Fallout, where it, you know, slows time down. Because, obviously, how would that fucking work in an MMO? So what it does instead is just act as, like, an auto like, an aim assist. So it, like, cuts to... The target, inst- like, it instantly takes your cursor to the target for one shot. Um, but it's, like, percentage-based. And the percentages have always been, like, 14% for me. Like, by the time I get a high enough percentage for it to matter, it's in my face. And I could just shoot it by just pressing the trigger button. It's in my face at this point. You don't need to aim to hit it. So, like, I haven't really used... So, I've realized that, like, I don't think that's is really usable in Fallout 76. So I'm like, maybe I could try, like, meleeing, and Fallout is just a game that I know people do melee with, but, like, I had a machete for a minute in Fallout 76, because I have no fucking bullets, and I was like, man, I can't wait to get some fucking bullets in a gun that I can't shoot, because I'm tired of this melee shit, everyone else has laser <laughs> pistols, and they're just shooting me in the head, fucking robots everywhere just shooting me with lasers, and I got a knife like an asshole. So I feel like I'm such a fledgling in 76 still. I need to play it more. 
and just slowly gather bullets and gather perks and get my character strong enough that I can explore more freely and I can take enough hits that I can my my bad aiming will be offset, but it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of time, I think. Um, it's very much a me thing. I like the actual game itself, to be totally honest. It's weird. It's very Fallout. It's beautiful, first off. Like, it's gorgeous. I love the map in it. It sounds like... I'm from the Midwest, so, like, I know it's West Virginia, but it sounds like summer. Like, you hear the cicadas and stuff, and it's just... It sounds like... I grew up with, like, a forest preserve by me, and so, like, everyone would go to, like, the, the woods, and it just sounds like, like, walking through the woods all the time, but, like, m- Midwest walking through the woods all the time. So I, I'm into that aspect. I just know that because of my skill level and because it's an MMO, it's like, man, I just wish this game wasn't an MMO. I wish that Fallout 76 was a single-player game. I could just fucking play like Fallout 4 uh, the way that I like to play, and I would have an amazing time with it. I truly believe that. I believe that I would have a truly amazing time with Fallout 76, the single-player experience. How many hours have you put in? Fallout 76? I've only streamed it. So I streamed it for a day. I did like three hours. And then I was like, let me play some Fallout 4 after the stream. And then I haven't been able to stop playing Fallout 4. So I keep saying that I'm going to go back to Fallout 76. But I can't stop playing Fallout 4 because that's who I am as a person. So that's my struggle right now. And Fallout 76, because I'm going to have to shoot, whenever I have to shoot shit, that's when I'm like, oh my god, I would love to have a mouse. It's the fact that the stick is so slow to move where you want to go. I hate trying to shoot on a fucking c- controller. Like, this is like, I cannot do shooters on a controller. Like, with a mouse, I feel like I just, like, aim so much faster and easier, and it would be more intuitive. So, like, Fallout 76 is a game where I'm like, man, if GPU car prices ever become reasonable, I sure would like to you know, beef up my PC and then play 76 on PC. Cause that's where I think I would really get into it. I was going to say the thing that I find that I found was the most frustrating was that like opening like 10 I'm trying to think back. Cause I think I'm about like, I think I've got like 20 hours in fallout 76 at this point before we moved. And then, um, but yeah, like the first half of that is like real slow and you're just getting it felt like and, wrecked everywhere you go. And that's regular fall or I keep saying regular follow, and I mean like Fallout 4, but like that's Fallout 4 too, where I remember at the beginning of the game where you like first you don't have a gun at all, and then you finally find a gun and you have like seven bullets, and then you're finding bullets that aren't to the gun you have, and you're like, Well, these are useless, and then you're picking up other guns, and it's like I can only carry so much, I don't know which gun I need. I have like twelve bullets, three for each type. So you got like all these guns you're going back and forth, and half of them you hate. And so I'm in that period now, and I know like once I start accumulating a lot more bullets and I can find a weapon that I like using, I still haven't even found a 10 millimeter pistol. And in Fallout 4, I use a 10 millimeter pistol all the time. I know it's lame. I don't care. I, you know, I carry my 10 millimeter to the end, end of the line, end game weapon, pew pew. I get a ton of shots off in vats and my accuracy is super high and I can shoot really far. It's perfect. It's got the right balance of everything I need. So I really like them. And I haven't found a 10 millimeter in follow i keep using different like pipe uh pipe pistols and pipe rifles and i don't like any of the pipe guns and then i got like a hunting rifle which of course takes 20 minutes to reload between shots and when you can't aim for shit it's like a nightmare because i was like maybe i'll try sniping and so i was able to snipe a like zombie type creature um the scorched which are like ghouls but even scarier i like was i was like oh i'll i see a scorched this is a thing that looks just like a ghoul 
So I'll just like snipe it from far away, and then if it comes charging at me, it's only going to be getting, you know, ghouls are safer to try to learn how to shoot on because they just charge right for you, which means they stay in the middle of the screen and they only get bigger. Like, it's perfect. So I shot at it, and I found out that the ghouls in this game, the Scorched, have fucking guns! This goddamn ghoul zombie started shooting me, and I was like, no, I, I'm supposed to shoot you, and you can't shoot me, and I have time before you run into my face. That ideally I can kill you. You can just shoot me. And so it was, that was scary. You're breaking the rules. Right? I was not prepared. So that was like my, my disastrous foray into sniping. But I've been practicing sniping a lot more in Fallout 4 to try to like practice for Fallout 76. So to be honest, since I've been doing more of this, like I switched to a decent sniper rifle and I've been like practicing sniping living targets instead of just Mirelurk eggs. So I love sniping Mirelurk eggs. I love clearing out Mirelurk nests. But uh, I, I've been dabbling in other people. So I'm just going to become a Widowmaker main now. Bye, bitches. <laughs> nice. And that leads us to Zyger. I haven't been playing anything because I still don't have a couch. But Zyger, what Next have you week. been playing? But it won't matter because we'll just be doing E3 predictions the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so... As we've talked about in the past couple episodes, we, uh, a bunch of us have been playing Tales of Vesperia. By playing Tales of Vesperia and like re-experiencing older Tales games, it made me nostalgic for Tales of the Abyss, which I played on 3DS. And I was like, I still have this game somewhere. Found the game. I was shocked by like in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, this game ran super well on 3DS, but like that was forever ago. I was like, oh, it probably doesn't run as well as I remember. No, but uh, with Tales of the Abyss, I haven't finished the game. I'm, uh, I think I'm at what is going to be the halfway point in this game. Surprisingly, it's it's a much shorter game than I remember it, and I was able to do like a new game plus. So uh, using the gray system, I was able to like buy bonuses for this new game plus round, carry a bunch of stuff over. But like going through the game again, it's like wow. The first time I played it, I remember getting lost everywhere because. The game doesn't necessarily have a map similar to Vesperia, which doesn't have a map. It's like, oh, you need to go to this location. And in the game, it's like, oh, yeah, it's northwest from where we are now. So as you go in the overworld map, you have to figure out where northwest is. And I remember getting lost multiple times. This time, though, uh, for some reason, I just, I guess, remember all the routes that I needed to take. So going through it this time has been more enjoyable because I'm not spending two hours looking for where I need to be. I just somehow know already where to go. And seeing all these characters again, I've already passed the point where Luke has cut his hair and changed as a person and is becoming a better person. It's like, ah, oh. Luke is probably my favorite character from the Tell series. And seeing his evolution grow again, is like, ah, oh, man, I, I'm remembering why I love this game so much. And it makes me want to finish Abyss, then go back and finish Vesperia, because I'm a third of the way through Vesperia at this point. Yeah, I want to finish both of those games. And then I don't know where I'm going to go from there. I definitely, uh, I've also been playing Fallout, as Kaylee mentioned. And I'm level 14. Exactly. All right. It's been like two weeks and he's gotten to level 14. That's just how much he's been playing. In the same time frame, I've gotten to level 32. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying my time with Tales of the Abyss. I'm also enjoying my time with Fallout. I just need more time to finish games. How did you like seeing Diamond City? That's my, uh, that was like one of my favorite so, moments of video games. 
when I initially found Diamond City, I was like, oh, because I saw Kaylee, uh, not enter Diamond City because I wasn't there for that part, but I saw her like in Diamond City. I was like, okay, I know generally what it looks like. But when I found Diamond City, you know how like uh, on the map there's like signs everywhere. It's like, oh, this way, Diamond City is that way, whatnot. Mm-hmm. I was uh, clearing out a bunch of uh, bandit camps, stealing all the loot. And there was a vendor outside the uh, wall for Diamond City. I was just selling stuff to her before I went into Diamond City, but then she disappeared. I'm like, oh, well, I have all of this stuff. I was uh, well beyond my weight capacity. It's like, oh, well, I'm already here in Diamond City, so I'll just slowly walk into Diamond City so I can sell everything. <laughs> and I did not realize, like, how, not necessarily big, but, like, how dense Diamond City is with all of the different NPCs and everything. It's like, oh, man, I went in initially looking for one NPC so I can sell a bunch of crap to and I find like ten other NPCs I want to keep having conversations with, and I know I haven't even explored half of Diamond City. It's just super dense. It's like, oh, there's so much to do. I already have like an additional three or four side quests that I picked up just walking to the vendor I was trying to find. It's really but cool. Yeah. Like, um, security guards in Diamond City will just be like saying shit like, "Oh, did you hear? There's like some shit going on at the old Museum of Witchcraft," and then you'll have like yep. map updated. Um, yeah. Like, oh, go talk to this guy if you're looking for work. And then the map will update with that guy's house outside Diamond City somewhere. And it's just fine. Just walking around, you'll pick up quests. Literally doing nothing. Yeah, some some baseball dude is like, hey, I know baseball. It's like, no, you don't. None of the rules you said are about old baseball. It's like, go get me baseball cards. I'm like, all right, I guess. I don't know why I agreed to this, but I now one of my quests is find baseball cards and a baseball bat. You should go find... Is it Newberg Comics? I think that's who it is. There's like a pretty famous like Boston comic shop, and they are also in the game. I it's will try and find one that. of my favorite. Does the Silver Shroud little... quest lead you there? I think so. I'm thinking. I know there is a quest that you have to go there for. Right. I think th- I think at the uh, top floor of the comic shop is where they were filming the audio presentation or whatever. All right. So next week is going to be all E3 predictions, but that's next week. Where can everybody find out your opinions in the meantime, Kaylee? Oh, Lordy, anywhere that they will not physically bar me from shouting them, but mostly on Twitter at Quirk of Art XD, or I'll probably be playing more Fallout, most likely four, but hopefully some 76 coming up. On my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash quirk of art. Um, yeah, I I streamed Fallout 4. Did I just do it on Friday? Last time I streamed Fallout 4, I accidentally streamed for almost eight hours. Like, I didn't even realize that, that much time had gone by. Because that's what I do is I'll just play Fallout and then eight hours go by and I don't even realize it. It's bad. It's like that and Diablo. They really get me the same way. So that's probably going to happen a lot more this week. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, probably going to be some longer streams. Try not to be that bad. I'm trying not to go that long. So no no promises with the eight-hour boys. But we'll probably be going because I got 158 levels to get. What's the name of your channel? Quirk of Art. <laughs> it's me. Make sure you say it. <laughs> it's me. And Jordan, where can we find you? You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash versified or 
twitter.com slash underscore we should talk for the account for my game we should talk if you didn't realize already if you're listening to this on the wednesday it releases we should talk is on sale on playstation and on itch.io for 30 percent off uh, we're doing this thing now where anytime it's on sale on any platform it's going to be on sale on itch.io as well Ooh, uh, that's cool on january 1st I'll be doing a talk with Kickstarter um, on the design of We Should Talk as a part of their Kickstarter Summer Games In seven gathering. months? Did I say seven months? January 1st? Said January. Oh, uh, dang. <laughs> well, on June 1st. <laughs> oh, dang. I-, I was like, you booked it that far in advance? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> on June 1st, I'll be doing a talk about the design of We Should Talk with uh, fellow you know, designer Carol Mertz for Kickstarter at their, as a part of their Summer Games Creator Gathering. Uh, link will be in the notes. And um, after we tell you where to find our Discord, because we have a great Discord channel, I will be soliciting people to play Mario Party with me because <gasps> ever since it's gone online, no one has done that with me yet, and it's made me very sad. I don't own Mario Party yet, but I really want to play it, so that is actually very, very I own it. We can play it that way. I could play Mario Party. It's online now. I haven't waited to buy it till it was online, so I won't. First fight, what if instead you take a three-day weekend, fly to Seattle, play Mario Party with us here, eat a cupcake? We can still be online so Spencer could play, so you get your online experience. It'd be so good. I mean, if this is after the 4th of June, which I assume that would be, um, I can take a train or a car. That kind of means that I'll have to come too, because weirdly enough, you can't play with three people on one Switch and one person on one Switch online. See? See? It's it's either four Switches with four people or two Switches with two people. All right. Give me that. Which one calls it? Uh... Give me the date. Tell me when you're going to be here. I'll uh, roll out the air mattress. And where can we find you, Zyger? Uh, you can find me on any platform at Zyger1337. Like a little Milo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Spencer. You can find me at MissNintendeek64. You can find my horror podcast, which will have two episodes this week to make up for not having an episode last week. Uh, this week is The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. And then the next week is the nun and all of the exhorted and then kaylee will be on i'm so so excited get it all out and you can follow that at a halloween club so that's gonna do it so this is gonna do it for this week 15 patch rollout subscribe to future patches on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts follow the weekly patch at the weekly patch on twitter instagram and youtube or join the quality assurance process in our discord server Comments, questions, bug reports, send them to us at hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all of these and more in the episode patch notes below. Week 15 patch complete.
Real talk. Eating every other chicken sandwich that comes out since the Popeye's chicken sandwich that is advertised as being a direct competitor to the Popeye's chicken sandwich has made me so angry because being like a chicken... Right? If it was just like, oh, we got a new chicken sandwich, apropos of nothing, because our old one was meh. I'd be like, okay, yeah, this one's not bad. But instead, they're like, oh, you think the Popeye's chicken sandwich is good? We've had that sandwich. We know what bar you've set, and we think this goes over it. And it's like, some of them, the picture, at least, you're like, oh, that looks like roughly the same like style and everything. Sometimes the picture, Jack in the Box... Doesn't even like no, dude. That's just that's just a McChicken competitor. What are you talking about? Do you think a McChicken is the same as a Popeye's chicken sandwich? Do I look like an idiot to you? Are you kidding me? And they all use that same like foil bag that the Popeye's right? chicken sandwich. That's comes how in. you know if it comes in a foil bag, they think they're as good as a Popeye's chicken sandwich. No, no, you're not gonna sit here and tell me that you think I think. I'm eating basically a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Do you have any idea? This Popeye's chicken sandwich is so fucking moist and juicy as I'm eating it right now. (laughs) I just, every bite I take makes me angrier at every other restaurant trying to sell me their version of this sandwich because they ain't shit. I also love that you don't eat it like a sandwich at all. (laughs) Mind your business. (laughs) 